0: Celebrating the amazing people of coastal Mississippi and across this great state who are working hard to make this a great place to live, work, and play. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk
1: 103.1. Welcome to the Ricky Matthews Show, where if you're a regular listener, you know by now this is uh, where we celebrate coastal Mississippi and the amazing people who are making this such a great place. To live, work, and play. And by by the way, we'll we'll, uh, occasionally focus on Mississippian leaders who are making a difference. We cover a wide range of topics here. Mostly the focus is on people making a difference. We'll talk to characters from time to time who are making a difference. Uh, We have a great show today, and uh, we'll get to our guests here uh, shortly. Hey, this morning I had the opportunity to speak at the American Heart Association CEO Breakfast, and it was terrific. I got a chance to see a lot of my old friends, Anthony Wilson from Mississippi Power Company, Roy Anderson, uh, a long list of others. Uh, Fufo Gillich was there, but um, but it was an important meeting as uh, as David Machado, the, this year's chair. Uh, uh, tells the story of their efforts to strengthen the American Heart Association and their work to make sure that people learn CPR and uh, all the other work that the American Heart Association has been involved in for many, many years in terms of research, et cetera. And um, my my daughter-in-law, Sierra, married to my son, Jordan, and her daughter, um, Mila, joined me, and I told my story of uh, having been a former paramedic and uh, I was in pre-med, I was headed toward medical school at one point in my life and made a change in my career objectives and sort of the rest is history. But along the way, I got some great training as a paramedic that I've talked about on this show many times. And I told the story of the the numerous times that I've had the opportunity to do CPR, including the, uh, unfortunately or fortunately, really, because I was there and and it was a little divine intervention when my granddaughter Mila stopped breathing and had the, had the um, opportunity, the important opportunity to do mouth-to-mouth on her. And I told the, my story, my story of CPR, my story of Mila, and Mila was there. She signed a card that went with these kits to all of the uh, CEOs that were there, and she was so sweet and so happy to be there, and I was so glad to let them see her there smiling, because I think it makes uh, a very compelling case uh, for everyone, not just the folks who were at this meeting, but listeners, people who are are really paying close attention to the show. Uh, that you need to learn CPR. CPR is so important, and you can save lives, and I've seen it over and over and over again. So I was honored to have the opportunity to participate, and it was good to see, again, so many of my old friends. And, uh, and I wish uh, the American Heart Association well as they you know continue to move forward with their fundraising efforts and their education efforts and their research efforts and all the things that they're involved in. So really, really important meeting this morning. So now let's shift gears. Uh, let me, let me uh, invite my friend Aaron Rossetti, who is, uh, works as a communications kind of specialist for uh, Memorial, Hosp- uh, Memorial Health Systems. Uh, and um, and she's become a good friend, and I'll tell you more about about Aaron here in just a second. But first of all, let me just say good morning. How you doing, Aaron? I'm doing
2: well. Thank you for having me.
1: It's good to see you.
2: Um, so,
1: listen, I've talked to several uh, weeks now about these thought leaders that uh, SuperTalk Mississippi Media News has developed across the state. A number of them are from coastal Mississippi, and it's been awesome having these conversations. Well, one of the ones that I'm really particularly excited about is something that actually came out of a meeting that I had on the air with some leaders of Coach Young Professionals here in coastal Mississippi. And uh, through my conversations with them, what evolved, though, was a, a series of conversations that led to a column that this group is writing collectively now for Super Talk Mississippi News called Next Up. And and Next Up's important because Next Up is not just necessarily about leaders that are kind of low on the totem pole, working their way through the community, which I think a lot, of, a lot of leaders are doing that, and that's important. But this group actually is identifying leaders that are going to be the Next Up. These are the ones that are going to be leading the chamber next. These are the ones that are going to lead the Coast Business Council next. These are the ones that are going to lead the, the American Heart Association next. They're, they're they're literally ready to go. They've been involved in m- multiple uh, leadership programs here in coastal Mississippi, and they they get together and they stay focused. And they're they, are, they are always thinking about brain drain and how do we keep people from leaving this area? How do we keep them here? What are the kinds of things we need to be talking about? They're talking about leadership development opportunities. I mean, the list really goes on and on. And now, so this group now, this Coach Young Professional Group, is involved in writing this Next Step column for Talk Mississippi News, which will lead to them joining me on my show here, the statewide shows with Gerard and Paul, and, um, and there'll be thought leaders in this state. So the topics they'll be writing about aren't just applicable to Coastal Mississippi. They're really applicable to the state. So I'm excited that they they have a voice now in the conversation. And since so many state leaders pay attention to our shows, it really is a great way to sort of inject into the overall conversation that's taking place in Mississippi uh, the topics that they that they will write about. So Jace Payne wrote the first one. He did a great job, and he joined me here on my show to talk about it. He's the current president. President uh, of, uh, of CYP, Koshyum Professionals. And Aaron wrote the second column. But um, before we get to the column, which I think she did an incredibly good job at, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about, about her story. So, Aaron, let's just start with this. Why don't you just describe to people what you do for Memorial?
2: Yep. So my, my role is internal and external communications, and that includes a lot. Obviously, every day is very dynamic. Uh, media relations is a huge priority for me, um, issues management. So really trying to be proactive versus reactive, uh, working with stakeholder groups and outreach and everything that you can possibly imagine that, in, that is entailed in public relations and communication strategies. I'm, I'm going to have a hand in here.
1: Well, congratulations on your success. Um, you know, I came from uh, digital media world. So I came. I, you know, I was a publisher for many years. I was a CEO for sixteen years in the media industry and sort of helped manage this this transition from traditional newspapers to more. Uh, the the digital the digital media that we see today. but I, I often talk about that being the digital tsunami that I was literally operating change efforts within the digital tsunami. Um, but but I, but at the end of the day, uh, you know that's really about how the the information is getting delivered. and of course, the smartphone has has really changed the way we receive information and the way we communicate. But the truth is, at the core of communication, it's still, you you still got to do your time, and you and you got to learn how to do it. Be a great communicator. So whether we're talking about 20 years ago or today, a lot of the methods for communicating, at least in terms of the words you use, are very similar. It's based on a lot of experience and a lot of um, you know mashing words and, and making sure that you're communicating the best message in your case for Memorial. But uh, you know you got to get in the trenches, and you got to do your time to get to that point where you can you can sort of mastered in a way. But you actually, you know, none of us ever master it. It's no. a, the more we learn, the more we learn, the more we learn how much we don't know. But it keeps us learning more. Uh, but it is a dynamic field to be in, though, isn't it, Aaron?
2: It is. Every day we're learning something new. As you know, social media evolves on a weekly basis um, and all of our channels evolve on a weekly basis and how our audience consumes media changes drastically from day to day. And, and what they find trustworthy and what they find relevant is, is also something that we have to contend with every day too. So we have to be empathetic. We have to be able to put ourselves in the shoes of our audiences and who we're targeting and be effective. And it, it's through relationship building. So I think that's the Tenet that's the core of what I do in public relations. I, you know, I try to establish relationships and, and make them genuine. I always want to have a genuine relationship with someone, I want it to be credible. Um, I want us to have synergy and be able to learn from each other, and that's what I love about what I get to do every day.
1: It's exciting. It's exciting um, to be able to share your story. But what's interesting is that if you take the collection of those of you who are involved in Coach Young Professionals, CYP, we'll, we'll refer to it as CYP from this point forward. For those of, who, of you who are involved in CYP, you each bring those valuable skill sets to the table and the, the years of development and work in the trenches to get to that point and you come together and you actually end up becoming sort of mentors to each other. In a way, don't you?
2: Absolutely, that's a soundboard for me. I think you hear all the time about having your your board of directors or your personal board of directors, and that's so very true. And it happens organically, usually, which is the very it's very nice that it happens that way. Um, but you know, I, I respect and look up to people that are my age, that are younger than me, that of course are older than me and more seasoned. So it's just it's a beautiful thing whenever you have a group of people come together and we all have ambitions and and we want to grow as individuals but also collectively what the magic happens after that right
1: it it really it really does it's it's great that there's this mechanism that was developed years ago to give you guys the opportunity to network and get to know each other better, to be able to support one another in your careers, to be a a, a sounding board, to to talk about challenges in the community and what you might want to do, how you might address those challenges. But, you know, the evolution of these conversations that you guys have lead to substantive thinking about the future and how we might address those. And that's one of the next step column I think is so important. Hey, when we come back on the other side, I want to talk about Aaron's early days in St. Martin and, you know, where she grew up and went to school, et cetera, et cetera. We'll get into all that here after this. We'll continue our conversation with Aaron Rossetti. We'll see you after this.
0: Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of The Ricky Matthews Show on your laptop, desktop, or your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. His passion and love for coastal Mississippi is why he's here. This is The Ricky Matthews Show on Supertalk 103.1.
1: Welcome back to Coast I'm visiting with uh, my friend Aaron Rossetti who is a you know communications person, really important role she has at Memorial and uh, she's active in Coach Young Professionals and she recently wrote what is essentially the second installment for the next up column, a column about about young leaders emerging in the state, and uh, it's been distributed across uh, the the super talk uh, news network and I should also point out you know there are twelve stations in the super talk group as far as it, as it relates to this particular channel, so there are seven super talk channels, but there are actually twenty six radio stations in the family owned by super talk Mississippi media, various uh, uh, music. Uh, platforms, including, for example, WCPR here in coastal Mississippi. Um, but then the, in addition to that, there are 25 other stations, radio stations, that are part of the Supertalk News Network. So that's 51 radio stations across the state that have access to Supertalk Mississippi News. So you can understand when we're having important conversations that turn into news and they get distributed to all those other radio stations, that Supertalk Talk has the ability to have the important conversations and, and and at least position it in a way that everyone across the state can uh, can have access to it. Then when you think about the multimedia aspect to it, super this show actually airs on Supertalk TV, at c TV across the state of Mississippi. And then uh, you talk about YouTube and Facebook and the podcast platforms. This company is playing on a bunch of different cylinders. And I know, I, just from my own experience, through Supertalk Outdoors and through doing this show that Ricky Matthews, I know that when we have important conversations that leaders in Coastal Mississippi pay very close attention. Leadership in the state, the lieutenant governor, the governor's staff, uh, the the, the uh, speaker of the House, the state auditor, the secretary of state, they all pay very close attention to the conversations that are happening on this show. Our, our Coastal Legislative delegations paying attention, mayors are paying attention, city councils are paying attention. And that's the beauty of what Supertalk has put together, the opportunity to have these conversations. And I can't think of a more important conversation to have than about leadership and the role that leaders need to play in our community to help us advance the ball. And that's what, that's what Aaron and I will be talking about here shortly. Um, so, Aaron, you, you grew up in St. Martin. Tell me a little bit about your, your early life and where you went to school, et cetera.
2: Yeah, I went to St. Martin um, School District. I actually started in the Diocese of Biloxi at Nativity and um, then transferred to St. Martin. So I grew up in uh, kind of a rural area, so north of I-10, just by a bit. So very short distance to I-10. My grandpa was considered the last cowboy of North Biloxi and he held that title proudly. I learned all about the stockyards and how to help with cattle from a young age. So I got to um, experience, you know, the solitude of of having a farm, basically, right next to me. And um, I grew up in St. Martin, and then I graduated from the high school in 2010. So I was really involved in the high school, of course. I uh, took a lot of leadership positions throughout my time there, and I also worked at the Shed Barbecue and Blues Joint. That was a huge part of my high school experience. I spent a lot of weekends there and late nights there, um, but it, it definitely molded me, and it, it made me the person that I am today, and I spent a lot of time outside. I love being outside and enjoying the outdoors, and uh, I feel grateful for the, the type of childhood that I had here.
1: So were you, uh, uh, you know, you strike me as someone who was a good student in school.
2: (laughs) Yes, I actually, it's so funny. I graduated, let's see, I was number four in my class, and the top three are incredible humans the our valedictorian is i believe he works for harvard now <laughs> i want to say um, so he studied polymer science at usm and um, now he's working on with venture capital firms to develop this prototype in polymer science and um, i mean the the people that i got to associate with and work with in high school are doing incredible things in our world not just in our state so it's it's really exciting to see
1: so you, uh, you went to college, and uh, you tell me about that selection process, and what did you learn there?
2: Sure. Uh, I, my first choice was the University of Alabama for their public relations school. And, um, you know, I, I visited several campuses. I wanted to really get to know where I would possibly be. And going there, I did feel like this could be my future home, that it felt right for me, um, until I went to LSU and visited for the spring invitational, which is essentially a testing program. So you get to test out of classes and a semi like quasi uh, orientation of the campus. And that felt like home. It just embraced me with the southern Louisiana hospitality that it's famous for. And I fell in love. And I felt like this could be it for me. You know, it's not too far from home. But it's a world away from what I'm used to with a campus of 35,000 students. Um, And it just felt like this is it. This is the right fit.
1: Yeah, and my time in Louisiana, I got to know the president of LSU well And understood extraordinarily well how unique LSU was really in the United States in in that way. If you think about Mississippi, for example, we have southern... Uh, so USM, where I went to school, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, a bunch of smaller colleges. Certainly, they have smaller colleges in in uh, Louisiana as well. But the Boss Hog in Mississippi is LSU, and whereas we have a college board that oversees our state universities, and LSU, LSU alone has its own board of trustees, and uh, and so it's a they don't have co- competition at that level. It's yeah. a very unique. A very unique uh, situation, and um, you know it doesn't make it any easier to run a university because you're always going to have your critics and whatever. But the reality is, um, LSU is a very unique, has a very unique relationship with its state, that um, that we we know well when we play them, when Mississippi universities play the LSU in baseball or football yeah. or whatever it may be, um, they take that stuff seriously, don't they, Aaron? <laughs>
2: I had never experienced fandom before, like true fanatical, loving a, a sports team before until I had my first you know, Saturday night in Death Valley, um, where it felt like a religious experience. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't know if you've attended one, <laughs> but it is... People stand up, they sit down, there's like a liturgy. I mean, it really felt like, you know, this is, this is palpable, what people are experiencing here. Um, and that's with every sport, though. That's not just football. That's baseball, volleyball. I went to lacrosse games. I mean, there's always something going on on campus, especially related to sports. Um, but it's just a very unique community of people. And I really found, again, mentors and friends for life in my short time there.
1: Well, listen. I was born in Birmingham, Alabama, and my dad was a traveling salesman for a company called Lee Lightner that brought him to Mobile, Pensacola, and then eventually to to uh, Gulfport when I was four. So I consider myself a native. But the rest of his family and my mother's family were still in Alabama, and they all all the all the elders went to Alabama. And I mean, I mean, I'm talking about. Big-time Roll Tide fans. Interestingly enough, the grandkids to a person all went to Auburn, including one of my sons went to Auburn. Wow. <laughs> they played baseball at Auburn, and you know generations played baseball at Auburn. But And then, it, as irony would have it, I would become president of Alabama Media Group with responsibilities for Birmingham and Huntsville and Mobile, AL.com, etc., and um and uh you know we wrote we wrote uh three books about alabama i, I literally was publisher of two of the books were about the national championships yeah. and let me you talking about a religious experience Alabama University, of Alabama, and Alabama is a religious experience because you got people blue collar workers that never went to school there. Sure. That that claim that as I mean, you had this on all universities, but it's at a whole another level when you start yeah. talking about Alabama, isn't it?
2: Yes, it is, and I will never forget whenever we played the um, the field goal game. Do you remember that one? This the nine to six score whenever LSU won on the road in Tuscaloosa. Yeah. Okay, so. Baton Rouge was like set on fire that night in the best way possible I mean it's just that rivalry it cannot be to me there's no parallel to it I mean I know that I know the Midwest has their rivalries I get that but this is a different level again of fandom and we take it very seriously um, but I will say you know the SEC as a family itself is is such a great one and there's a lot of camaraderie a lot of competition but you know we love each other regardless and we have to we have to work through the season to Together, um, but it's always fun to see that fandom
1: and that base. Yeah, all of us, all of us in my family went to Southern Miss, except my son Justin, and uh, he made us all roll Tide people. Because yeah. excuse me, excuse me, he will kill me for saying that the War Eagle, War <laughs> <Yeah>. Eagle people. <laughs> and right. uh, yeah. yeah, we loved Auburn. Auburn was really good to him, and he's done great in his career up in, in New York City. Yeah. Um. So, so how did you end up at Memorial? How did you end up in communications?
2: Sure, so I uh, I studied public relations, mass communication at LSU. I was really involved in the Public Relations Student Society of America, and that is, um, it's, basically the umbrella organization is Public Relations Society of America. So it's the start, student version, but you get to make those connections that you would if you were part of the, the adult version, if that makes sense. Um, and so I was highly involved and whenever I was considering graduation, you know, I thought about internships in Baton Rouge, maybe New Orleans, definitely Mississippi. I was looking for opportunities here. And my mentor at the time and my capstone professor said, you need to apply for this opportunity in uh, for Edelman, which is a global PR firm. And I said, all right, I don't believe I can get it, but I'll trust you. And, um, and the rest is history because that started my career.
1: Excellent. We'll pick it up there and talk about her time at Memorial, and then we'll shift gears and talk about this wonderful column that she wrote that's uh, another another stake in the dirt around how young people can be leaders in this state and raise important you know, uh, conversations that we need to be having. We'll see you after this with Aaron Rossetti. <laughs>
0: Subscribe for free to the Ricky Matthews Show podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Reminding you why we all love living in coastal Mississippi. It's the Ricky Matthews Show on Talk 103.1.
1: Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show. I have my friend Erin Rossetti with me. Yeah, she's a communication expert who works with Memorial. And when we went to break, she was talking about how she was involved in various organizations and then joined the Edelman Group, which I'm familiar with, incidentally. Uh, but what what I hear from your story, and I said this at the beginning of the show, but is this this willingness to do to not skip steps to do. You know, do, pay your dues along the way and learn in the trenches and whatever. Element Group was a great one to learn from. Um, but, you know, your mind was ready. Your mind was ready to, to receive the training necessary to, to be able to do whatever you might face in your current role at Memorial. But, um, but you had to pay your dues. You don't skip steps when you're talking about communication, do you?
2: No, 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 you don't. And, and the only way to learn is to experience. And so from a really young age, I've just put myself out there. If no one else is willing to do it, I will, um, and that can be from the highest level to the lowest level, right? Yeah. I mean, working—you know—working in a restaurant, you got to do everything: the good things, the not-so-fun things, not-so-glamorous. Um, and that gave me the mentality of. I don't care what the job is. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get it done, and it's going to be something I'm proud of. And with communications, especially, that is that has to be your your level setting. Um, you know, you have to make sure that you're doing something that you're proud of, and it's quality, and um, that's how you succeed in this field. Yeah, Aaron. One of the
1: things that I was really fortunate—I had the opportunity to work around Pulitzer Prize-winning writers and editors. And I got advice early in my career from Roland Wiggs that said, you know, he said, you know, I always made A's in writing and English and whatever. But when you get into the real world, what you could say and what would take you three pages to say, learning how to say that in a few paragraphs is really the key to successful communication. And one of the things he said, he said, you know, pick you two or three of the best editors around you and And let them help you, not just edit you, but also teach you, you know uh, how to how to get better. And I started to do that early in my career. In fact, even to the moment I retired, I always would run I'd find the best wordsmiths among these incredible journalists that I had around me. And I would always run any important communication by them and see what see what they thought. as a result of going through that process over the years, over thirty years. It makes you a pretty good communicator after a while. And when I sit down to write something, I I often say to myself, "Boy, the clarity of thought that I'm able to convey did not come overnight. It took years of writing. You just got even today. I love to write, but you, but you, it's it's something to. If you don't use it, you will lose it. You have to stay with it and master it." But uh, that's an important message for young people, and even even anyone, you might be 90 years old and thinking about improving your writing skills. That's important advice, isn't it?
2: It is, and you have to have some thick skin. I mean, the first first draft is not going to be great, and you have to be okay with that, and you have to be able to take that feedback in stride. Um, And I know saying thick skin, right, that can be frowned upon, but it really is a matter of learning and growing and improving. And if someone's willing to pour into you and give you thoughtful, considerate feedback, it's worth it. I mean, you want to learn that so that you can be better next time. And I'm really grateful for my um, my director and my VP here because they are willing to pour into me and take the time to to thoroughly review things and give me perspectives that I hadn't considered and and to really con- you know be able to discuss the angles that are involved. And that's invaluable.
1: You can't get better. If you're resistant to the feedback, you got to want the feedback. To be a human sponge, a true human sponge, the thick skin is right, but but you got to love feedback that is different from what you were thinking, and mm-hmm. it, that's how you improve. That's how you get better. So, talk to me about your column. The headline is next up: the courage to build. Young residents creating a better Mississippi. I got comments about it. I, I mean, first of all, I think you're, it was an amazing piece. Thank but I, but I'll interject at some point. Talk to me about sort of the the, the thesis statement for mm-hmm. what you wrote.
2: Mississippi, especially, you know, in the in the light of young people, the the angle is usually everyone's leaving. They're leaving in droves. The talent is gone, or it's fleeting, or it'll never come back. And I'm tired of it. I'm so tired of it because it doesn't acknowledge the people that are here, that are doing the work, um, that are uplifting our communities and our state and are working so hard to to try to shift the narrative and to give to give our world something else to talk about than, than just the negative here.
1: Yeah, boy, is that true? Is that true? Like, look, this is not this show is not political. And so uh, I'm not going to make it political. But whether you're a Democrat or a Republican in the state, no matter what position you hold in the state from the highest level to a point in the legislature, or maybe you have influence over those people— We've got to do better. I mean, we just have to do better. I, one of the things that I, I talk a lot about is the Delta, Mississippi Delta. I spent a lot of time in the Mississippi Delta. And the reality of the Mississippi Delta is that if you were to take the Mississippi Delta out of the numbers, Mississippi would be somewhere in the middle probably as it relates to you know where we rank on most things. But because we have not wrestled with – the Mississippi Delta, uh, from an economic point of view, we have we have we still wrestle with uh, rural areas of Mississippi. Mississippi is a very rural state. Um, for, you name it. Whether it's economic development, whether it's access to health care, which is a huge issue in this state. All these things are important, uh, but we still have an image problem. I, f- I find myself, Aaron, when I leave, and this has been throughout my career, when I'm leading corporate efforts for the various companies that I work for, I would often give a little bit of a speech about Mississippi ahead of time to explain that it, what you have in your mind may not necessarily be what actually is happening here, and I explain that to them. And I, I wrote a column after the, after the, recently, actually, after the Delta Hur- uh, tornadoes, and how we all come together, and how resilient we are. What we learned about ourselves uh, after Hurricane Katrina. I wrote about it in uh, Governor Barber's book about about Hurricane Katrina. But then our leaders do things. They say things. They you know they they that which in some respects whatever they do and say sometimes they set us back. They don't. They're not adjusted to. The reality of where we are, a lot of times it's a political calculus that they say it, but I often say about that, if it is a political calculus, what does that say about how they see us? We, we're not aligned enough around everyone having the responsibility to overcome that perception that we too often fight. And, you know, the rest of us are actually doing a pretty good job of dealing with issues that we've struggled with early in, in, our, in our Mississippi history. Uh, don't you see it the same way? I do.
2: I really do. And and it's not a matter of um, and I know there's a lot of there's a lot of discussion about being too woke or, you know, tone deaf or whatever the case may be. It's about being good people and good humans and, and helping each other, because at the end of the day, we should care about our fellow human, no matter where they come from, what they look like, what their socioeconomic status is we need to do better in caring for the people that are around us and mississippi is a microcosm for that i mean we could be doing so much more to help the most vulnerable um the people that need support and to help and as we always as we as we discuss um you know not just providing help and support but making sure that it's in lockstep with with there being future success, you see what I'm saying. So it's not just giving someone something; it's not just a handout. I know we talk about that too, um, and that's something that you know is a lightning rod. But we have got to find a way to really support and help those that are around us and give them traje- a trajectory that's positive, um, because it's just you know it seems like it's just not happening the way that yeah. it needs to.
1: Listen, I had a great conversation with Shari Davis, who owns the Jackson Pearl in Ocean Springs, and she's from California. They sold their business in California, and moved here, her and her husband, and uh, they had the bootleg howl in mm-hmm. um, a bed and breakfast in Biloxi as well. But. W- I actually ended up pulling this segment out of my show because what she said was so powerful. And she was saying the differences between where she came from and here and what she saw in the heart and soul of Mississippians. And she said, it didn't matter where you came from or you know who you were or who you loved, you were accepted and you were loved. And the way she talked about it was so, gosh, it was so, I think we need more people to come in from the outside and reflect on on back to us, what they see in us when they get mm-hmm. here, because you know we see it after disasters it, like like Katrina, like the tornadoes in the Mississippi Delta. There are so many other situations where we see that, but we you know Mississippians as a general rule reach out and they care about their neighbor and they help their neighbor, etc. I don't. I I worry in our state that we're not having enough conversations about how to bring everybody together. That we get bought into sort of these national narratives, and yeah. and as a result, we end up getting polarized. And the polarizing ends too often define the agenda. One that applies to your industry, and I'm not. This is not to. This is not to to sort of drag this one into the conversation. But but I don't think we've had an honest conversation about Medicaid expansion in this state. For example, right. you know people you know put a political stake in the ground about that. And we're saying no to a million dollars. And my point about that simply is that if you were to say that you could get a million dollars a year and, excuse me, a billion dollars a year we would be holding special sessions of the legislature to, to grab that money because, as we wrote about when I was in Louisiana and the governor of Louisiana accepted Medicaid expansion, is that the economic impact of that alone is a big... And it's not the solution. The health care going through an entire reengineering currently. Mississippi needs to do that as well to understand how does all these pieces fit together. But Medicaid expansion is a big part of that. But we won't even think about it. It's, a, it's amazing to me that we can't come together on something so vital in a rural state like Mississippi and say no to that much money. It just doesn't look smart when we do that. Hey, when we come back on the other side, we'll continue our conversation with Aaron Rossetti.
0: Also listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say Alexa. Open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. This is the Ricky Matthew Show on Super Talk Gulf Coast
1: 103.1. Welcome back to my show, and I'm visiting with Aaron Rossetti, who wrote a really compelling piece for Supertalk Mississippi News, a next up column. And, uh, you know, let me read a little segment to you. Um, You said this. Also, get comfortable being uncomfortable. The young people in my community are making the biggest difference, our our business owners and community advocates who are working every day to provide unique experiences for residents and our visitors, Uh, specifically those who are amplifying our diversity and ensuring all people feel welcome in the state. We should commit ourselves to this mission of acceptance and understanding if we want to see our if we want to see our state thrive. And you go on from there and talk about brain drain and whatever. But um, but again, it's sort of like it's a paradox because most people sort of get that, but sometimes the leaders, are, uh, you know, whether they be Democratic leaders or Republican leaders, they're creating these polarizing ends when the majority of us, I don't care if you're a Republican or Democrat are somewhere in the middle and we see how we should get along and we should address these issues we may disagree on some of these policy discussions but the point of disagreeing before we ever even have the conversation we got to get past that and we got to get in the trenches and be and be courageous and we have to be willing to be uncomfortable isn't that true
2: Yes, absolutely. And, and what really inspired that part of the piece for me was whenever I was um, at Coastal Mississippi, visit Mississippi Gulf Coast prior to Coastal Mississippi, as a public relations manager. And I would host media from globally, you know, throughout the world, not just nationally. And uh, one of the writers that I had here was here for one specific story, very interested in, in um, you know, something that was a little more puff piece related. And then once he got here, it was literally weeks after house bill 1523 was passed um the religious freedom bill and the stickers that say everyone in downtown areas were displayed on windows and um and so whenever he would walk into a restaurant or wherever he saw this everyone sticker and he asked the owner that was there what's this for and they said we don't want anyone to think that they can't come in here because of their gender, or their sexual orientation, whatever it might be. We want them to feel comfortable being here because everyone is welcome here. And so he wrote this beautiful piece about Mississippi isn't what you think it is and this is why. And that really inspired me to write about this subject in particular. There are people that are making bold decisions and being super courageous. And it's working. It's working. It's helping. Yeah,
1: I've actually written a piece about courage. Uh, In fact, I was watching Ed Sheeran's documentary recently – and it was, it's a really good documentary about what it takes to be successful, et cetera. But his wife, Sherry, at some point during it, starts to reflect with Ed about what will people say with about me when I'm gone? And it got me reflecting about myself. And, you know, it's interesting because I went through a lot of iterations about this. But the one thing I would want people to say about me, Aaron, is that I had the courage to speak up, that I had the courage to tackle the tough issues when others weren't willing to do that. And and this is something that I challenged at the One Coast Awards the year before last, uh, that we have got to quit g- grabbing hold of the status quo and protecting that. We've got to be willing to have these bold conversations that are sometimes, as you pointed out, uncomfortable to have, but but address them. And um, what I love about the Next Up column and what you're doing with your, with your uh, fellow CYP members is raising these important questions to say, these are the things we're thinking about. You need, you need to think about them, too. It, these are apolitical conversations that we should be having. Right. They should not be had within the context of politics. We should be having them because they're important to have. They speak to the perception of Mississippi. They speak to the reality of what we, who we really are as a people, and that oftentimes there's a disconnect between the the national perception, perception, which affects our ability to attract people here and what's really happening on the ground and we're not just we're just not having that conversation it doesn't often too often doesn't seem to be even a concern about it in fact i would go so far as to say some of our leaders do things that only serve to push those uh, those perceptions and make them more crystal clear to those people on the outside even though it's not real unfortunately that's where we are but um, but i really appreciate you weighing in uh one of the things that you and i will do in the fu- in future conversations is uh, is is zero in? In fact, I'm I'm actually going to structure a, uh, a show around courage and invite some of you guys to be involved. I may bring somebody like Jerry Saint Pay into the conversation, but I want a group conversation about courage and the need mm-hmm. for more courage, and uh, and I, I think something like that could could make a difference. Um, what kind of feedback have you gotten?
2: Overwhelmingly just positive. Um, You know, I shared it to my personal networks and um, people that, especially people that have moved away, uh, have reached out to me and, you know, have expressed that this is exactly what I feel this is how I feel. This is how I talk about our home. Um, the reputation of Mississippi precedes me, but I try to change whoever I meet. You know, I change their perception in every interaction I have, and so it's resonating not just with people here, but people elsewhere uh, who are proud of Mississippi and want to be for good reason, but also understand that that there are a lot of challenges that we face here, and you know, we need to be part of that conversation as young people. We need to we need to be involved.
1: Everyone in the state from the governor down to every single person in every single community should share A burden for for everything we communicate and everything we say outside the state, that it be consistent with what actually is occurring in the state. And that is, there are so many amazing people here who care about each other and care about the reputation of this state. And we want to project the progress that we've made. We can always make more progress, but we want to project that progress. And we don't do enough of that. Anyway, awesome conversation, Aaron. I can't wait to chat with you again in the near future. It's been a pleasure.
2: Thank you so
1: much for having me. Uh, You bet. This has been Aaron Rossetti. Awesome conversation. Anyway, have a great day and we will see you tomorrow.
0: Follow Supertalk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook, facebook.com slash Supertalk MS Coast 103.1. A Supertalk Mississippi media production.